Welcome to He's Dead Jim, the podcast where we travel back through Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. I'm Mick McConnell from Brisbane, Australia, and joining me from New York, New York, it's Emily Lind. Good morning, Emily. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Wonderful. I'm doing great. This week, we watched The Naked Time, which is uh, episode four from season one, or ep five, if you're watching along with us on Netflix. We start off on the uh, frozen planet's PSI 2000. Oh, and last week, um, Catherine, our guest, asked us to keep an eye on the star dates. So I haven't gone back to see if the star dates mean anything yet or if it's just the writers chucking random numbers on things that sound cool. But we're at star date 1704.2. Do you know much about star dates? It's, It's not something I've ever paid attention to. No, and I, I always assume the like the the actual order that the events happen in the episodes jumps around. I'm guessing we get, I'm guessing we just get the highlights. They must have some quiet days where nothing blows up. I mean, you would hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be pretty hectic. They land on planet PSI two thousand, which is a frozen planet that's about to break up and rip apart, apparently. And there's a scientific party on the planet's surface. So um, the Enterprise's mission is to pick up the scientists and then observe the planet breaking up. Um, We see Spock and a random crewman landing in the most ridiculous red biohazard suits I've ever seen. I don't think I've seen them since in Star Trek. Uh, what What do you think of the outfit? I mean, first of all, they look ridiculous, but we quickly learned learn that they're not actually like sealed or anything. I, they're almost more like just like like some like more slightly more covering than you would get from like scrubs if you were in surgery or something. Yeah, they're sort of the, the weirdest red plastic pajamas with a weird hat thing with gauze that's clearly not sealed from anything. <laughs> they, they check out the lab and we quickly see that everything's frozen in the lab and the crew are all dead and they're frozen solid. Spock goes off to check out um, the rest of the rooms while the crewman um, is there analysing with some sort of instrument and he... Um, gets an itchy nose, takes his glove off, just reaches straight up under his mask and scratches his nose. And uh, while he leaves his glove off, we're treated to probably the dodgiest stop frame animation of some sort of creepy red liquid or blood or something dripping onto his hand. I really don't know why they had to take the time to animate that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but- somebody being creative that just left film school. Okay, the other thing here, though, that really annoyed me is this place is frozen solid and he just puts his bare hand like straight down on this frozen computer console with no reaction whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. And, and I gotta say their frozen effect, their ice effect is, is not top notch. (laughs) That's right. I, I think we've established that the, these random crewmen aren't particularly well trained. 
So Spock comes back and warns the crewman we must expose ourselves to nothing, but obviously he's too late and the crewman doesn't think to tell Spock what had just happened. We learn that everybody in the lab froze because the life support was turned off. So clearly there's a bit of foul play or something's gone wrong there. They beam back up and go through decontamination. Scotty's got some sort of ray or something you can target them with at the, at the teleporters. Yeah, sure, why so not? not? Something like that. <laughs> the, the teleporters are not as good. Like I know in in Next Generation they've got the ability to say if somebody's armed or something, they can beam them back up to the ship minus the weapon. Yeah. So we're treated the next generation, they're pretty advanced. Like it almost seems like they could beam somebody back without a particular contagion or something like that. Okay, so Dr. McCoy clears both the crewmen, um, says they're fine and fit, and then starts teasing um, Spock about his Vulcan anatomy. Uh, McCoy is extremely racist, isn't he? <laughs> He's so racist. He, like he has some like shitty comment about Spock's green blood. Yeah, this is your... I mean, the first of... I think this is the first we've heard of it so far in the series, but get prepared because there's a lot more of it. Yeah, and I mean, we've, we've talked before about Spock cops some pretty horrible just treatment about his appearance and being different, which is sort of doesn't really gel with the whole inclusive Star Trek philosophy. But um, McCoy is the worst. Definitely, and he's like, oh, you say, yeah, your pulse is 242 and you have basically no blood pressure and if and just sort of pays him out if, if you can call that green stuff in your veins blood. <laughs> yeah, Spock handles it pretty well. He just says, I'd much rather than my... I'm very glad that my physiology is totally different to yours, basically. Crewman Joe suddenly, suddenly starts acting a bit weird. He has a dramatic outburst about... You know the, the the scientists on the planet, and his his hands are itchy. Starts acting a bit like a junkie. Looks, or, you know, staring at his arms and his hands. And we get the weird rattlesnake sound effect. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. So, like, it's so every time this virus is doing something or transmitting itself to another person in the crew, we get the spooky rattlesnake sound. And then we get what I would call the ultimate brains trust of Kirk, um, Spock, McCoy and Scotty. We get them together analyzing the deaths and the, uh, they basically discover that the science team went mad and that's why they ended up dying. <laughs> yeah. And like McCoy says there, there were no traces of any like known drugs and Spock says they can't find any, uh, like contaminants, so they're very perplexed. Uh, so Crewman Joe is in the mess hall, and we find out that Sulu, Riley, and Joe are best buddies. Um, and Sulu is trying to get Riley into all of his hobbies. And last week it was botany. This week it's fencing. Apparently, yeah. And and Riley is just like baffled as to why anyone would fence. And it's, yeah, supposedly it's not about fighting, it's about training or exercise or something. Sulu's right into it. We have to keep track of Sulu's hobbies. Uh, all of a sudden, Joe freaks out and starts ranting and then um, points a butter knife at them and then uh, 
turns the butter knife on himself and they struggled basically to get the knife off him and he ends up stabbing himself. That knife could not cut through anything. No. <laughs> I have the same note. It's round. It's it's just a straight up like round doll butter knife. Why? I just don't understand. Why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you at least give him a steak knife or something? <laughs> something that looks slightly threatening. There's a lot of blood anyway, so he's, he's good with a butter knife. And then we get the rattlesnake sound as uh, Sulu and Riley are infected. We meet the nurse. Is this the first episode with our nurse? It might be. I think so. So the nurse is played by Jean Roddenberry's second wife, who uh, from the pilot episode originally played number one. I can't. I didn't catch the nurse's name actually. Uh, it's Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel. Thank you. Thank you very much. So McCoy and Nurse Chapel are trying to operate on Joe, uh, and his wounds aren't that severe, and everything should be fine. But all of a sudden, his vital signs start dropping, and then he dies. And we get our. We don't get a he's dead, Jim. We get Nurse to McCoy. He's dead, Doctor. Um, so that leaves them baffled because he shouldn't have died from those wounds. And then up on the bridge, uh, Sulu and Riley are at their posts and uh, they're both acting a bit weird. They've got the itchy hands. And then uh, Sulu just randomly says, hey, let's go. Let's go and work out. This is a great time. And just randomly leaves his post and goes to the gym. <laughs> Which I just, I don't know why, but him like sneaking off was hilarious to me. Sulu is very funny, particularly in this episode. I just because uh, he's 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 grinning and when he starts to go when the virus starts to affect him, he starts to go a bit mad. But he's he's a happy, he's a very happy grinning maniac. There's so much. Yeah, fun, that's actually. true. Um, so Riley's still on the bridge, and he. He starts to affect him and then he becomes an Irish stereotype, basically. So he starts acting pretty drunk. He takes off or, or Spock eventually just says, you know, go to sick bay. And then we get these random shots of Riley just cruising the halls of the Enterprise and just, it's just basically like just randomly touching objects around. It's so weird. So he just, he just yeah. flicks random objects and just cruises around, walks up to the sick bay automatic doors and just, just breathes on them and they open. Yeah, and suddenly his accent is like 50 times stronger. Yeah. So he comes in and starts flirting with um, Nurse Chapel and then we get the rattlesnake sound effect where she gets the virus too. And then all of a sudden we get Musketeer Sulu. We get, uh, oh, my God, it's so good. Awesome. We get a shirtless Sulu cruising around with his fencing sword attacking people. And, and he has the, like I said, he has the best, widest grin on his face. He's just having such a great time. I mean, I have to say, if I was just like walking through my office building and I saw like a shirtless dude with a sword, I'd be pretty freaked out. Yeah, I would freak out. I would freak out. He, uh, he has an awesome bod. Oh, yeah. He's really in shape. I need to take. I need to find a gym today and take a photo in and just say, please. How do you make me like this awesome specimen of a man? 
let me see. He start, he's threatening the crew. He's got a big maniacal laugh. And then he goes to the bridge and um, basically threatens everyone there like he's one of the musketeers, grabs Ahura and says, I'll protect you, fair maiden. And Ahura just turns and goes, oh, sorry, neither. Which is so great. Such a good quick call and she quickly escapes his grasp. Like Kirk tries to, puts his hand up and tries to stop the sword and he's like, ah, he gets pricked by it. <laughs> so it's obviously it's a very sharp fencing sword and he means means business. Uh, and then Spock saves the day with a quick falcon neck pinch. Now, now is this our... Okay, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> is this our first yeah. neck pinch? It must be. I think so, because Kirk turns to Spock immediately and says, you've got to show me how to do that sometime, please. It's pretty handy. Oh, so handy. Gosh, that would be great. As a parent, the, <laughs> the Vulcan <laughs> neck pinch would be so handy. You imagine having it when you've got a two-year-old at the supermarket having a massive tantrum and you can just do that. I mean, <laughs> I mean would that count as abuse? I mean, you're not hurting them. No, no, you're just, if anything, you're saving them from themselves. But I mean, you could just solve all. You could solve so many problems at work. Just boring meetings, just straight up and just nerve pinch everyone and then leave. It'd be a very handy skill. That and Star Wars Force Push. Yeah, two, two skills I'd love to have. So Riley takes over engineering, and uh, takes over the PA and orders. So he's basically he takes control of the whole ship. They don't have control of engines and navigation or anything because Riley's taken it all over and is, locked them out of engineering. What is that? Because the, the planet is about to explode or break up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not not great timing. Um, and Riley over the PA, he orders double portions of ice cream for everyone, declares himself Captain Riley. So he's not a bad captain from the um, – Bonus ice cream point of view. Uh, but then he starts singing a classic Irish song, Kathleen. I think it's called Kathleen anyway, which is awful. And as an like the audience is really tortured by this episode pretty much from here on in. I was going to ask if this was the only time we get talk of ice cream in Star Trek, but... And here is, okay, here's a weird thing that is in my head that I know. Of all the things to know, all the things I've forgotten, here's what's in my head, which is in the Next Generation episode, the game, Deanna Troy is eating this giant, like, fudge brownie ice cream sundae. I, I remember, I definitely remember, yeah, Deanna ordering dessert i think that was a bit of a thing yeah she definitely had she like, was really but, like obsessed with with chocolate but that ice cream one in particular stuck sticks with me for some reason very i think good. those are there's uh, maybe the only two if you're listening to this and there's other star trek ice cream let me know because now i'm curious yeah me too actually well i know there's a lot more emphasis on the replicators in next gen mm -hmm. i think the original enterprise must have replicators but they've still obviously got a chef we had thanksgiving dinner last week or the week before yeah there's one we already saw 
somebody was getting something out of what looked like a pretty rudimentary replicator in one of these episodes, but it looked pretty much just like a sort of like a block of like protein food or something. Yeah. A lot of the meals in this original series, they look just like different colored cubes of, you know, plasticine or something. Like, yeah, the very brightly colored food. They're making the most, producers are making the most of this brand new invention, color TV. Uh, I know in Enterprise, so the, it's where the replicate, so Enterprise, obviously, timeline, it fits in before the original series, but they have replicators in there that they're testing out or I, I think that it's fairly new technology, but I know they can do things like apple pie and the, I can't think of the Vulcan. I think she's the science officer. The, to the, to the Paul or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. To Paul. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, there's a big thing about somebody suggests, how about you, how about you try some apple pie? And she's like, why would I? That's like 100% sugar. That's you know, illogical. Um, but then later on in the episode, she wants to try enjoying a few things and try out some human stuff. So the episode ends with a big moment with her eating the pie. Man, now I want some pie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, that's our dessert segment. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> no, 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 it was great. What could be better than dessert? So, yeah, Riley is singing this annoying song that echoes throughout the Enterprise and they can't turn it off. And not only does it annoy the crew, it drove me nuts. And that's one of the reasons I hate this episode. <laughs> it, that's, it just keeps going. I think that's it. You can, you can establish that this annoying thing's going on and it's frustrating the crew without sort of really torturing the TV audience. But, yeah, it keeps going on. And uh, Let me see. Scotty, meanwhile, is trying to figure out how to get the door open to engineering. And uh, he figures out he's going to have to cut through the wall and do something to some sort of wiring or conduit. So we'll get him climbing through like a Jeffrey's tube or something like that and just randomly attaching magnets or something onto, onto wires and conduits. Uh, the virus is spreading. There's reports of fights breaking out among the crew and uh, Kirk tries to declare some sort of alert to seal off all the quarters. But then um, Riley chimes back in and says, Ahura, you shouldn't have interrupted. You know, you interrupted my song. Now there's no ice cream for you. We see a shot of a crewman in overalls with a paintbrush, like a you know, like an artist's paintbrush. And he's just laughing maniacally holding this paintbrush. Oh, this must be when Spock's trying to walk the halls and get to sickbay and trying to sort some things out. And uh, so yeah, we Yeah, because he's like touring the ship. Yeah, so we get a bit of a montage of him walking past all these mad crewmen. And the, the crewman's, you know, he sends him off to sickbay and we see that he's, he's painted some graffiti about love of mankind. Did you get any deeper meaning from that? Yeah, that was I, that, I, I just thought it was so weird to see graffiti on the walls of a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah, this disease is affecting everybody in very different ways. Um, we see uh, Yeoman Beehive. 
Yeoman Janice Rand um, being accosted by a crewman who's singing <laughs> singing the Kathleen song, except he's singing I'll Take You Home Again, Janice, and uh, won't let her get past. And Spock's like, what the hell's going on here? And she's like, this idiot won't <laughs> stop singing to me, won't let me get to the bridge. Man, poor Yeoman Rand. Like, every week she has to deal with some creep. So that's basically it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they make it to the bridge and then um, Spock basically tells Janice to take the helm. So apparently the, the yeoman can fly the ship as well. Yeah, she's she's better trained than a lot of people on this ship. Unreal. So what exactly is a yeoman? I figured a yeoman was like, she seems to be like the captain's PA, basically. She's often bringing meals to people. Yeah, and they there's some like remind about her being like the captain's personal yeoman. Who can also fly the ship, so that's very cool. I, w- I wonder, is it like, yeah, an internship? She's just got to do the, the boring stuff like bringing meals and running the captain's errands for a couple of years. Yeah, the the definition is a petty officer in the U.S. Navy or Coast Guard performing clerical duties on board ship. Ah, there you go. And in and the British Royal Navy, it, they were. The ones in charge of signaling. Okay. There you go. So I guess signaling is kind of a hero's job. Yeah, so I guess she does, like, paperwork and stuff that Kirk doesn't want to deal with. Yeah, there you go. We all need a good yeoman with an awesome beehive hairdo. Now, is this when is this when Spock goes to, in, to sick bay, or is that skipping something? That's right, yeah. So Spock, that's right. Spock goes into the sick bay... And Nurse Chapel is affected by the the illness now, and she hits on Spock. Is that where Spock gets infected? There, I think. Oh yeah, because he gets infected like immediately, yeah. and he he is lying there because she just like strokes his face, and we we know by now that it it transfers by touch. Yeah. And other people, it was it was slower, but I guess you know Spock's green blood. Maybe things work faster. But he immediately just like shouts out, "I am in control of my emotions." <laughs> I remember. I think my wife, when I was, I must have been watching this episode a couple of weeks ago, and um, my wife walked past and said, "He's a lot better at acting with no emotions than he is with acting with emotions." <laughs> Yeah. We get some classic Star Trek overacting where um, Spock starts crying and starts ranting about his mother. And yeah, it's pretty good. It's some good stuff. Scotty takes back engineering finally and um, they grab Riley and chuck him out of there and finally end the singing. Uh, But they find out Riley's turned off the engines and. to do a cold start, it's going to take them 30 minutes, but uh, the Enterprise is about to crash into the planet and burn up. Oh, 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 we get a, we get a, we get a, I can't change the law of physics. Yes. From Scotty. Yes. I love Scotty. He's awesome. I have a, I, okay, here's a question, because I don't know this. In the show, or at least in the show up to this point, he's always Mr. Scott. Do you know, like, when does when does he start to get called Scotty? I... Or it was that, like, does he in the show, or was that entirely a fan thing? 
That's uh, yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things I've just subconsciously assumed he's been called Scotty. I'll have to go back because the so last week on where no man goes before when Kirk calls all of his all his officers and heads his apartment or whatever into the bridge, um, but when they're about to leave the galaxy, you know, he get basically gets them to report about you know their readiness or something like that, and Scotty says some. Um, weird Scottish engineering talk that makes Kirk smile. I'll have to go back and watch that moment again. But I know there's always Scotty says something, you know, some quirky Scottish Highland thing, which has probably never been said by anyone from Scotland ever. And then Kirk smiles. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they do like they they love stereotypes. I suppose they did on every TV show back then, but they, yeah, now and then he'll say something. Then then they'll play bagpipes, just to just to hit at home. <laughs> just in case you didn't get it. Just in case you didn't get it. He's Scottish. And they should put that up on the screen in flashing text. <laughs> this man is from Scotland. Um, Scottish people uh, don't really appreciate his attempt at a Scottish accent, do they? Um, not from what I have seen. No. I think, yeah, I think there seems to be a bit of a history with English actors playing Scottish people and Scottish people not being fans of it. I suppose we we get it a bit as Australians where, like you would have seen the years ago, the Australian episode of The Simpsons where Bart goes down under. Oh, yeah. And the to everybody else it probably sounds fine, but I know a lot of people were really offended at the time. I love it how silly the accents are. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think it's one of those things you just got to enjoy it. It's a it's a it's a TV Scottish accent, not a real Scottish accent. And and God, what like Jimmy Doohan was just—I mean, he just seemed like one of the sweetest men in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess for it works for everyone. If you're not Scottish, it works great. (laughs) But uh, it's yeah, it's definitely one of the best characters. Just yeah, so much fun and that. That sweetness definitely comes across. Did you see the episode? There's an episode of Next Generation where... No, not Next Generation, Voyager, where Scotty's in it. Is it Voyager or is it Next Generation? It's I thought that was Next Gen. No, it is Next Gen, obviously, because he's in the... He wouldn't have been out in the Delta Quadrant. They find him trapped or suspended in something. Is Yeah, and then it like ends with him like just like going off in a shuttle by himself or something like that. That's right, and they, they, so it must be that he's in like a teleporter buffer or something, trapped in the buffer on a ship or something, and they they beam him out or something like that. And um, I remember he's enjoying. He doesn't like the synthahull they have to drink on the ship, and they find some sort of exotic Romulan ale or something to drink. Yeah, it's actually it's all really quite sad from what I remember. Because he's just like, like, like he can't, like, he's not the brilliant engineer anymore because the technology is all passed him by. That's right. So he's sort of the, it's that, it's like the Futurama style of time travel. He's been, just been frozen for a couple of hundred years. Uh, So yeah, it must, it is next gen because Picard's with him and they go, basically go into the holodeck. And in the holodeck, they've recreated the uh, bridge of the original Enterprise with all the 
all the sounds and lights and things and Scotty's at home and basically Picard's just really enjoying himself, just hanging out on the the old bridge with, with a, a legend, basically listening to Scotty tell awesome stories while they drink some sort of alien rocket fuel. Man, That's I a might, good app. I might go, I might track that one down and watch it tonight. And me too. Me too. We can catch up about it next week. We've got a bit of a homework reading list to catch up on. I know last week Catherine suggested we watch the animated series app about Spock's childhood, so I'll have to do that. Man, so much to catch up on. Anything else I need to watch? I don't think so. I think I think we have enough. I think so. If, if I was going to dive into, uh, we've talked before about how I haven't seen much Deep Space Nine. If I was going to dive in and just watch a you know really cool episode, is there one you'd recommend? Uh, that's kind of a problem because like some of the best episodes of that are, are pretty deep into the, the war storyline. So I don't know if they work on their own. Like there's one called, um, oh, what is it called? Like wrongs darker than death or night or some, it's some really weird, like long title where, where where basically Cisco has to decide whether he's going to become a war criminal or not. Oh, wow. Um, I, I would say look for any, any episode where Garrick is one of the main characters. Like you could just Google Garrick episodes. He's the Cardassian Taylor. Ah, I see. And, and he, he used Cardassian to be stylist. He, yeah. <laughs> He he used to be involved in the um, Obsidian Order, which is the uh, sort of the Cardassian intelligence agency. Wow! But now he is just as he says a simple a simple tailor. There you go. And there's lots of good episodes exploring that. Wonderful! I'll check. I'll I'll do a Google and check one of those out. So Scotty's trying to figure out how to restart the engines. Um, they can't apparently mix matter and antimatter in cold engines, otherwise the Enterprise will explode. And then Kirk um, tells Scotty, we're just going to have to find some way to make it implode instead. And apparently this is some sort of theory that exists, but it's never been tested. Um, McCoy finds a cure just in time um, and starts um, treating people with a hyper syringe or is that what you call it? Hyper spray. Hyper spray. Thank you. They need Spock to calculate the formula for the emergency restart of the engines, but he's a blubbering mess talking about how he never told his mother he loved her. And And we just get this glorious slap fight between them. Yes. I love it. So Kirk slaps the shit out of Spock, basically, just left, right, slap, 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 and then all of a sudden Spock finally slaps back and just floors Kirk and sends him flying across the room. And then, yeah, the disease starts to kick into Kirk and uh, he gets very angry and starts lamenting about how the ship's taking over his life and he seems to have feelings about Yeoman Rand. All of a sudden he's just, Spock, have you ever looked at my Yeoman? 
you can look at her if you want or something like that. It goes r- real creepy. He has a, I have a beautiful yeoman. Is that one of the things that he yelled? <laughs> I'm like, this is just fucking gross and weird at this point. Yeah, it is. So eventually Spock just somehow snaps out of it or he, he eventually starts, I think he starts thinking about the formula and that helps him sort of pull himself together. Oh, and Scotty comes in and Kirk's still all emotional and, and Kirk just sort of looks up almost crying at Scotty. He's going, Scotty, help. <laughs> just, <laughs> we, get, we get a lot of great Star Trek overacting. So good. Um, imagine Scotty just being Scotty and walking into that room with those two, just being all weird and emotional. So Kirk heads back to the bridge and then McCoy is just hiding behind the door and basically just sneaks up, rips Kirk's shirt and then injects him with the syringe or with the hyperspray. Uh, and he injects everyone else on the neck. I don't know why he has to rip Kirk's shirt, but you always get that. We get the classic over-the-shoulder um, Kirk shirt rip. Very dramatic. Man, what are these uniforms made out of? Because they seem to rip really easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're rigged like Janet Jackson's Super Bowl, Super Bowl outfit. Oh, one of the great things here is when, I think it's when Kirk's heading back to the bridge, like the door closes and you just see more graffiti and it just says, Sinner, repent. Oh, man. <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing if it was done, if you had the right lighting and the right music, like that could actually be like terrifying. It's almost like Event Horizon or something like that where the crew's going really mad. Uh, but in this, it's just sort of you know, farcical, really. It's just hilarious. Scotty and Spock re- managed to restart the engines with a controlled implosion. Kirk's starting to snap out of the illness, but you see him just sort of reach over for Yeoman Rand in a creepy sort of way, but he you know, eventually sort of resists. And now, now because of this never-before-tested controlled implosion in the engines they're now traveling faster than it's possible and they're actually traveling backwards through time so by the time they reverse power and hit the brakes they've traveled back in time three days and so they now have a basically a formula for time travel which kirk says that's something we may be brave enough to try one day man if ever an episode did not need time travel Yeah, that was that was odd. It's just tacked on to the end of this, and like, what, what, why time travel? Why not just have them get away? Because Roddenberry or somebody in the writers' room read an article in Popular Science <laughs> about faster than light travel or something that week. Yeah, it's not really explained, but so I guess the idea of going back in time three days. Oh yeah, Spock says we get this, we get uh, you know three days again, and Kirk says something about how I hope it's de- definitely don't want to repeat those th- the last three days we just had. Um, but my wife sort of asked, it, is you know is Crewman Joe alive now because they've gone back in time? And I, don't, I don't think it works like that. I'm assuming the time travel stuff would only affect things external to the Enterprise. I guess, of course, all of this is I th- theoretical. I think so. that sounds right so where was joe three days ago is in a totally different point in space so for his sake i hope he didn't um recover because he'd be floating (laughs) out in space (laughs) 
I'm guessing uh, it's one of those things that's probably not actually possible. And if you think about it too much, you go insane and your your brain implodes like the Enterprise's engines. Yeah, my guess is they didn't think about it too much either when they were writing it. Yeah, I love overthinking all of this stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've now got a formula for time travel. And I think that's that's this episode. Any other observations from the naked time? This is the sort of episode that you generally do later in your show's run. Now, I mean, Next Generation did it as did I mean basically the same storyline as like their third episode. But this is usually a thing you do after you have everybody's personalities really established. And then you see them, you know, oh, look at Spock acting emotional or look at so-and-so acting really different than usual. Yeah. And we, we get a few episodes where there's a virus or some, something affects Spock and then all of a sudden he has emotions uh, later on. But, yeah, if you haven't, if the audience doesn't know the characters well, it's sort of pointless. <laughs> I do like Sulu in this episode, though, so it's worth it. I think it's worth putting up with the horrible Irish singing. Yes. If Sulu, I hear- Sulu's always good. Next uh, St. Patrick's Day, if I'm out and about and I hear that song, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to go catatonic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do much for St. Patrick's Day in New York? That'd be a massive deal, wouldn't it? Oh, I avoid it. Yeah? Well, yeah, because it's just, um, like, I I work right across from the street from Penn Station. Like, you'll just, like, if it's during a weekday, like when I'm, like, in Midtown, you walk outside and there's people, you know, like two o'clock in the afternoon, like falling down drunk. <laughs> Sounds like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And do you know when in the original series, do you know when we see the Tribbles? Like, do you know about, like, is that is that the season? Is that later? It's, I can't remember if it's season one or early season two. Because there is a Deep Space Nine episode that revisits that. Nice. And actually, actually, like, works in footage. Like, because they get, some of the characters go, like, there's time travel involved. I don't remember the details. But they're, like, cut into the episode. Oh, really? And... And I think when we do when we do when we do the Tribble episode Trouble with Tribbles, we should do the Deep Space Nine episode, um, which is uh, Trials and Tribulations. Right, I'll write that down. Very cool. Because the the Tribbles was something Uhura picked up, or the Enterprise crew picked up from a space station, wasn't it? I think so. Yes, it was. Is that um, who's the dodgy guy with the moustache, Captain Mud? Oh, I can't remember his name. Mud. Is that him? I think Mud's involved. Is that that is Mud, right? Because yeah. there's a couple episodes with him. Mud's actually in uh, the new series in Discovery. We get a oh really slightly darker Mud with a beard. We get a Mud episode soon, I think. Do you know what episode is next? If you looked ahead, let me just have a quick look. I've got Netflix open now. Oh, the enemy within. Yep. Oh, yes. So we get Kirkleganger. Oh, okay. I want to read the the little. This will be our little teaser. 
The Enterprise transporter malfunctions and beams Kirk on board with his evil doppelganger. Later, Kirk and his planet are Kirk and his crew are stranded on a frigid planet. Oh yes, that sounds that sounds like it'll be really bad. It's oh, it's so good. Evil Kirk. I I, I mean that in the best way. I'm trying to remember how they tell. Oh, I think yeah, that's right. To start off with, they can't tell them apart because that's part of the plot, I guess. The people think it's the real Kirk. So it's not like we get we get evil Spock later on, and you can tell he's evil because he has a goatee. Yeah, when they just start doing the mirror universe stuff, everybody has facial hair, which they sort of uh, they do the same thing when they do it on Deep Space Nine. It was like a nod to the original series. A bunch of the evil characters have facial hair. Poor people that actually have goatees watching. <laughs> I know they did that on South Park with a Halloween episode or something. Like they had an evil Cartman and he, he has a goatee. <laughs> it was like, yeah, all the evil people have goatees, but because Cartman's so bad in real life, evil Cartman's actually much nicer and the, the real kids want him to stay and get rid of the real Cartman. <laughs> pretty good. I, I don't know. I've, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for doppelganger episodes on any science fiction show yeah. yeah it's pretty good yeah especially give me doppelgangers give me give me body swap yep evil evil parallel universe very cool so we'll look forward to the enemy within next week okay time to open the mailbag uh so we've got an email from andy campbell g'day andy oh hi andy hey man he says hey he's dead crew first of all i'm loving the pod Thanks, pal. Uh, I'm really enjoying the breakdown of the episodes as I'm not watching along, which I'm finding to be real interesting. Uh, Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the current movies as I really enjoy that 2009 Star Trek movie. The others I'm 50-50 on. Keep up the great work. Thanks, man. Um, Glad to hear you're enjoying the breakdown. I'm welcome everybody's feedback whether i'm whether it's interesting whether i'm going into too much uh inane detail or whether you want more detail let me know um i've heard feedback from other people that are watching along is that they're finding it's better to watch the episodes first and then get our recap um but if you like andy if you're not watching along or if if you've seen already seen the episodes years years ago and you just want a refresher then i guess just listening to the show is fine what do you think about breakdowns, Emily? I think I think it's a good way to do it because it makes the show accessible, whether you've watched them or not. Yeah. Um, because I all right, because it's weird. Because I listen to this. Uh, there's this podcast I absolutely love. Uh, it's called We Hate Movies. I mean, I know there's a million like bad movie podcasts out there, but I happen to like this one the best because I think these guys are sort of the most good natured about it. But they do a they do a Patreon exclusive where they're also going through Star Trek. They're actually doing both the original series and Next Generation. And I found it very useful for uh, how how much detail you go into and how much you don't. But I think I think you gotta you gotta have enough that if people haven't seen this particular episode or don't quite remember it they can still listen. Yeah. And people that are DVD extras nerds like me that want to know what the color, what color the uniform was. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's interesting to yeah try and find a bit of a balance yeah i mean hopefully we have enough commentary that it's 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 still enjoyable and you know not just reading a wikipedia yeah but i'll welcome welcome everyone's feedback do you want more detail or less detail let us know uh he's dead jim pod at gmail.com uh and his other point looking forward to hearing your thoughts about the current movies uh i love the current movies how about you lindo yeah i still need to watch that last one i'll get to it eventually it's good i liked it um i think the like anything when you're used to the original and you're a big fan of the original the rebooted timeline is confronting um but it's that's how you get great new stories is being ready to rip everything up and make big changes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not like anybody is taking away the old stuff. I liked um, Benedict Cumberbund as, as Khan. I thought he was good. Are you uh, a Cumberbatch in, fan? You know, I, I, I am. I think he's really, I think he's really good. I still don't know if that was like the best decision in terms of, hey, let's make a white guy as Khan. Mm, that's right. But like just from a pure like acting standpoint, like I think he's really enjoyable to watch in that role. The the original Khan, and we'll get to him in an episode soon. I can't remember if that's again if that's season one or two. Um He's he's from the characters from North India or something like that, isn't he? He's, he's some sort of um, dictator that's set up an Earth dictatorship and was eventually overthrown and fled the planet. But yeah, the, something like that. The actor is his name. It's Ricardo Montalban or something. Montalban, yeah. Was he from Treasure Island? No, um, what is it? Something Island. Uh, Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island, yeah. Okay. So he's a Mexican actor. So I guess it's interesting. You've got a Mexican actor playing a guy from India. So it's interesting to start off with. Man, I'm checking out. I want to go and watch some Ricardo Montalban movies now. <laughs> Is there being a being a matador in a movie called Fiesta? I want to check that yeah, out. He was in he was in Planet of the Apes. Oh man. And a couple of the sequels. There you go. And a and a television movie Return to Fantasy Island. I'm sure that was super good. So there you go. He's a good actor. I like him. He's got a, just one of those people with a tremendous voice. Oh yeah. Tremendous look too. Yeah, awesome. He just has a really good screen presence. Yeah. Yeah. But uh no, I I I like um Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought he was great as Doctor Strange. Did you watch Doctor Strange? Yeah, I mean, I I have sort of mixed feelings about that movie. I don't I don't think they did quite enough with him, like character wise. But it's a very pretty movie. Is he better in his short cameo in um, Thor Ragnarok? I feel like he has more character in that cameo than he does in the Doctor Strange movie. To be honest, I think you're probably right, actually. That's a fun cameo. Oh, he's great in that. Pretty cool. Thank you very much, Andy. And Andy says, keep up the great work. Thanks, pal. And an email from friend of the show, Catherine Neen. Um, was this the first time we saw Spock perform the Vulcan neck pinch? Um, we think it is. 
We think it is. Um, really enjoyed the episode. Great that the story wasn't about godlike powers again. Definitely. Thank you, Catherine. Um, yeah, I'm starting, I think I'm starting to get a phobia of people with godlike mind powers now <laughs> after the first few episodes. Um, I know we're, uh, we're away with the family on the weekend and we're, we're staying at a place with a you know, pool and a spa outside and it had these water jets that shoot up in the air randomly and my son was just staring at them and we're like, uh, what are you doing, man? And he's like, I'm controlling them with my mind. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm terrified. So, yeah, I think I'm really getting a complex after these first few episodes. So, yes, it was great to see one that was about a, uh, an interesting planet and a creepy disease. Um, oh, that's one thing. We didn't say what it actually turned out to be. It was something about the water on the planet um, was chemically changed or something to have an effect like alcohol and that's how they explained that it wasn't a wasn't a virus or a contagion or something it, it wasn't something that they you know they would have detected with their medical scans don't know if that's interesting or not more detail uh but yeah great to have something different so i'm really looking forward to more episodes where they land on interesting planets and actually get out and about and do stuff um, because it's all been pretty much ship-based so far. Well, one thing I wish is I wish they used Uhura more. Yes. Because she gets a couple, like, really good lines, but she doesn't really get to do anything. Nichelle Nichols is so good. She's she's another um, another actress that just has a just tremendous presence and amazing voice too. Oh, she's, she's brilliant. That's about it. That's our mailbag. Thanks to everybody for writing in. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, hit us up on he'sdeadgympod at gmail.com or uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at he'sdeadgympod. Uh, Emily, do you have anything to plug this week? Yes, I do two other podcasts right now. Um, one is a Star Wars podcast called The Canto Bite Dispatch. Um, we drop episodes on Fridays. So check that out. And the other one is a X-Men slash Legion podcast um, called uh, Pod of Future Cast. And we've had a couple episodes up so far. We're a little behind right now, but there'll be more episodes dropping in the next couple of days. So if you are into Legion on FX, check that out because we're going through the new season as it airs. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, recently, I uh, guested on a Star Wars podcast, Star Wars Spelt Out, hosted by Josh Chapman. And we had a really fun chat about Max Rebo and the Max Rebo band from Return of the Jedi. Um, so check that out if you're into Star Wars. Uh, oh, if you're into docos, I did mean to slot in beforehand. There's, there's a documentary about the writer's room from next generation uh, and it's hosted by william shatner it's produced by his production company it's called chaos on the bridge uh, and that's on netflix at the moment at least in australia it is um, and it's all about basically a very dysfunctional 
writer's room and um yeah it's told in an interesting way i guess they focus on you know it's only on the the drama and people uh sort of struggling with gene roddenberry who uh, i think he's at a point in his life where he had to had to clean himself up quite a bit and get off a few substances before he could um try and run a show uh, but that was fascinating have you seen any good star trek docos i mean not anything remotely recent um but of course i mean if you haven't ever seen trekkies that's that's a blast you, you know i haven't i still haven't seen trekkies oh I've my been, god I've you got gotta to see it. it i mean it's pretty old at this point but it's so much fun this there's there's a second one which covers more like international fandom which isn't quite as solid but that first one is really fun the the first one was a bit of was it a bit of a stitch up like did it really sort of target unfairly the the fans you know almost but i think it it holds back from that i think it still has a real affection for it okay um and part of that is probably uh it's it's all like it's sort of like i mean i guess hosted by uh denise crosby who played tasha yar ah, wow. and yeah there's a little bit there's a little bit of like poking fun there but there's also some really like sweet interviews with with people and it just sort of you see how much people cared about this show and you get some interviews with like the actors talking about how much the fan base meant to them very cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, that's something that I must fix immediately. There's one that uh, Leonard Nimoy's son did as well. Oh, cool. Uh, For the Love of Spock. Yes. I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't seen the show. I've seen it pop up. But it is, yeah, that's on Netflix too. Very cool. Well, plenty of doco, so I guess, yeah, right in. If, if you've got um, some doco recommendations, um Shoot us an email, he's dead at gmail.com. Well, very cool. Thank you. Thank you very much, Emily, for chatting Trek for another week. Always fun time. So much fun. Look forward to chatting next week with the enemy within. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.